0: This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised.
1: I'm Ashley. And I'm Lacey. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in North Dakota discussing a house fire that revealed a potential affair and a murder. Then, we'll
0: talk about a young boy's will to live. Buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Peace Garden State.
1: The true crime world is filled with cover-ups and red herrings. As most of you know, a red herring is a misleading clue that directs detectives away from the truth and serves as a distraction. Murders are tough enough for investigators to solve, But when the crime scene has been messed with, that makes it even more complicated. Sometimes. Sometimes criminals aren't as clever as they think they are, and we love when they're sloppy. The criminals I talk about today straight up suck at covering their tracks, and you'll quickly understand why. Chad Ensel was born on March 31st, 1977, and was a Little League coach from Halliday, North Dakota. Chad was an active and adventurous man who had a lot of hobbies. He was great at bowling. Must be nice because I'm not. (laughs) He also enjoyed throwing darts, golfing, and stock car racing in the summer. He was just a, a dude. Yeah, very cool. Just a dude. Yeah. On May 21st, 2016, he married Nikki Hines, who owned a baking business. They both lived with Nikki's two sons, Marcus and Christopher from previous relationships on the outskirts of Bismarck, North Dakota. On the morning of January 2nd, 2020, Nikki called 911 to report a fire at their home. She said she arrived home to find their house filled with smoke and that her husband, Chad, may be trapped inside. When firefighters arrived, they found 42-year-old Chad's lifeless body, but not from smoke inhalation or a fire, even though there was a fire. He was nude on his bedroom floor with two gunshot wounds to the head. Naked and shot? Yes, exactly. And the house on fire. Mm Mm-hmm. And there were two small fires in the house. So
0: the boys weren't home? Correct. Correct.
1: It was just Chad there.
0: So she must have looked inside or maybe his
1: truck was there? Why would she think he was trapped? I guess because she assumed he was home, but good good, good observation. <laughs> so at first they were thinking that it was a suicide and the fire was an accident until they realized there were two fires. You can't have an accidental fire for like two accidents that didn't re- weren't related. Right. So in the basement, there was a propane heater there that had caught on fire. And they quickly realized the evidence was not adding up. Chad was shot twice, and they thought both wounds would have been fatal. As in, like, it didn't nip his ear, it didn't miss. It was two fatal gunshot blows to the head. The gun was not beside him, it was on the bed beside a bottle of liquor. Yeah, that, that's not a suicide. And Chad was on the floor, and the gun was on the side of the bed furthest away from Chad. So let's say, The gun was on the right side of the bed, but Chad was on the left side of the floor. So it wasn't like he could have shot himself and fallen to the floor in the gun. Right. It was way too far away. It didn't make any sense. And they were like, okay, two fires in two different locations. And then an arson dog was taken to the scene and it detected an accelerant. So Mm. at this point, they believed a murder had taken place. Chad had a security camera on his property. And the police were able to take a look at it and piece together what likely happened. So, the night of Chad's death, his wife, Nikki, was making frequent trips to the house, and she wasn't alone. She was with another man, like she kept going in and out, in and out. Made no sense. She didn't. With another dude. With another dude, yep. And it's on the
0: security camera.
1: Yep. So the police interviewed Nikki, and she confirmed what they already knew. She was having an affair in her own house. I don't think she, I don't know. She hasn't spoken about it. She's, I'll get to it, but. um, Sorry. was No, you're good. You're but good. But I'm
0: like, why would you, I mean, I know it, everybody seems to be having affairs these days all willy nilly, like <laughs> it doesn't matter, but. Don't
1: take them don't to Don't the take house. them to your, don't, don't Shit where you eat. Yeah. I don't even know. Well, she didn't admit to having the affair by the way. So she claimed he wasn't her type. Short. She's like, I'm not into this guy. Short guy. So he was a Canadian guy named Earl Howard. And they found footage from the local Walmart of the two of them kissing. At the Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I don't think I've ever kissed at a Walmart. I really don't I think so. probably have. <laughs> I'm like, maybe, maybe back in the day as a teenager, but definitely not kissing me. at the Walmart. Sorry. Yeah, He's uh he, this sounds Southern to me. I'm just saying it really does. But they found footage of them all around town. So it was obvious they were a couple. Well, she claimed she was just kissing him on the cheek. That's how she greets her friends. She was just bullshitting and trying to lie. While being questioned, she quickly threw Earl under the bus. She said Earl shot Chad after struggling over the gun. She claimed she was outside waiting in the car, but they weren't buying it. She later changed her story that she was walking and then heard the gunshots. She changed up her story a lot. Mm -hmm. Then they questioned Earl, and he denied shooting Chad and gave the opposite story. He claimed Nikki shot her husband while he was waiting in the car. However, he did admit that he helped her by burning evidence.
0: (sighs) Like the whole house.
1: Yeah. He also confirmed the affair. He said he took a trip to Minnesota. Why are you (laughs) already (laughs) laughing? These are grown adults and it just seems so, I don't know. He took a trip to Minnesota, and she met him in Minneapolis, and they went to the Mall of America. That's where the affair started. At the Mall? Of America.
0: They like shopping places. I
1: think there's an amusement park in
0: there, too. They're making out at Walmart. They're meeting at the mall.
1: Doesn't this seem like a high school relationship? It really does. And he's in his early 40s. It's like... I don't know.
0: I'm in my early 40s. And it let me just seems just, very immature,
1: no. this relationship. Mm-mm. So they didn't know which one pulled the trigger, but they knew that Nikki and Earl were both involved. Both Earl Howard and Nikki Insel were charged with conspiracy to commit murder and conspiracy to commit arson. Investigators say the motive for killing Chad involved a love triangle and plans to receive his life insurance. Ugh. <sighs> Mickey was, of course, the beneficiary. Earl accepted a plea deal. and was sentenced to 25 years in prison in February of 2022. He won't be eligible for parole until he's around 64 years old. Chad's family was also supportive of the plea deal. They believed that this would at least put half of the case behind them. He didn't make a statement during the sentencing hearing, but... Jad's sister and mother did make statements. His sister said, You have devastated our lives and my family is past the brink of exhaustion. And his mother, Deb, told Earl that he created a wound so deep that will never, ever heal. And she said a mother should never outlive their child. Nikki, on the other hand, went to trial. She, to this day, claims she's innocent. It came to light that she and Earl allegedly placed several liquor bottles in Chad's bedroom because she ended up alleging that he was a wife-beating alcoholic, even though he had no history of this. Her defense did not call any witnesses to the stand. For the prosecution, several friends, colleagues, and even Chad's ex-wife testified that Chad was not a violent person and only drank alcohol on social occasions. The state, in total, called 44 witnesses to testify. Oh, shit. And she had zero. Prosecutor said that after Nikki and Earl killed Chad, they positioned a propane-fueled space heater near Chad's bed in hopes that it would catch fire and destroy any physical evidence left behind. This didn't work. When the house failed to catch fire, one or both of them returned days later to start a second fire on top of the basement's furnace. So they could tell it wasn't done at the same time. Days later? Yes. I oh, have so many questions. <laughs> like, where are your kids? Where are you staying? I you're tried destroying? destroying this. I'm assuming, I don't know, I'm assuming she was staying with Earl. I don't know where her children were, and I could not find her children's ages. Well, and then you're also destroying... It could potentially be with their fathers. Right, right, but. Yeah, it's a mess. A large part of the trial focused on the surveillance video taken from Chad's home in the hours preceding his death. The footage showed Nikki and Earl entering and leaving Chad's home, all while he was at a bowling game hours before he was murdered. As in, that's probably when they started putting the tanks in there. Right. Around the time Chad was believed to have been killed, someone turned off the camera using Nikki's login details. Four days before the murder, prosecutors noted that Nikki took out a renter's insurance policy worth (laughs) $26,000, which is a red flag when there's a fire. And she was also the sole beneficiary to Chad's $600,000 life insurance policy. And she inquired within days of his murder about this. Like, right away. And she also emailed Earl insurance documents two days before his death. I guess, like, here's, I don't know. Here's all the info. Mm -hmm. After just a two-hour deliberation, Nikki was convicted in October of 2022 of conspiracy to commit arson, conspiracy to commit murder, and conspiracy to tamper with physical evidence. In February 2023, so a couple months ago, she was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. So after the verdict was read, Chad's family hugged. His sister Lori said, Every time anyone went to court for any of this, it's just heart-wrenching and hard on a body. And moving on, we talk about Chad all the time. My sons remind me of him quite a bit, so we try to talk about him as much as possible so they don't forget him. I know. My sources were the Grand Forks Herald. Oxygen, and ABC News, and there's a 2020 episode called The Last Strike that I will add to the show notes.
0: So, no one... So, she wasn't charged with... She was charged with conspiracy.
1: Yeah, because they could not prove who did it. Who did it. Mm -hmm. So, basically, the surveillance footage of them in and out, in and out, before and then her turning off the camera is what sealed the deal.
0: definitely involved, but yeah. They so, can't prove Exactly.
1: It. And she still says she's innocent. The media painted her in a bad light.
0: Always.
1: And it's one of those things. It's very hard to believe a word she says because it's... Because she's a murderer? It's pretty obvious. I mean, you're on camera. I mean, at this point, just admit it. Right. Right. I Ooh. don't know. That was kind of a shorter case, but... I hadn't seen it covered before, so I thought, "Why not?" Well,
0: mine, there is no murder. Oh, so it's completely different than yours. No mayhem.
1: No mayhem. It's a love
0: story. It's not a love story.
1: (laughs) Just (laughs) Just a turn. Stop guessing. (laughs) United States of
0: Love. No. Do you know what a grain auger is?
1: Um, no, I don't.
0: So an auger is considered one of the most helpful yet hazardous pieces of equipment found on a farm. It's used to transport grain from the harvester for transporting. So it kind of looks like a screw. It picks up the grain like while it's spinning and moves it up to where it's going. Hmm. So the engine is connected by a flat bar called the power takeoff. And it spins, and the auger turns, and it transports the grain.
1: Oh, these are big. Yeah, googling it right now. Wow. Okay. And we'll post
0: pictures. Yeah. So it transports grain. It can transport feed, Mm -hmm. small things Mm -hmm. like that. So, eighteen-year-old John Thompson lived in Hurdsville, North Dakota, with his family on a sixteen-hundred-acre farm. Wow. On January first, nineteen ninety-two. John headed out to do the morning chores on the farm. His parents were out of town for a funeral, so he was kind of left to to do it all on his own. One of the chores on the list was for him to unload some barley from a dump truck with the grain auger. The auger's job kind of works like a conveyor belt and pulls the barley out of the dump truck and up into the grain silo. But first he had to unload some pig feed using the same auger. Mm. And you don't necessarily have to run it. You just kind of turn it on, and it basically runs itself, and you just kind of stand there and watch it. Hmm. So what's the one thing with farm equipment? It's scary. Well, also (laughs) it's scary, but safety. Oh, yeah, for sure. No loose clothing, nothing that could possibly get sucked in or either Mm -hmm. pull you in, strangle you. Safeguards are in place, and you have to pay attention. Safety glasses are used a lot. Gloves, steel toe boots. Listen to me over here, like I run farm equipment.
1: <laughs> well, you are watching that farmer show, so you kind of got I, it. Going I feel on like right now.
0: I feel like I'm basically a farmer You're an expert now, expert. Yeah, it, in it now. Yes. So, anyways, but you know enough if you've been around machinery yeah. to know that that shit's dangerous, and you have to be very careful. Mm-hmm. But John didn't follow these rules that day, for whatever reason. He was wearing loose fitting clothing. And at one point he and his dog were goofing off, jumping around. John slipped on a piece of ice and fell towards the takeout shaft of the auger, which did not have a safety shield on it.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: The next thing he remembers, he's waking up. He's lying on his left side, and he could couldn't see his right arm, so he assumed it was broken and kind of laying behind him. Mm. Then he tried to get up using his left arm. Then he realizes both of his arms had been sliced off by the farm equipment when he fell.
1: Like he was so such in such shock, he wasn't feeling pain. Yet. No,
0: no. Oh my gosh! He struggled to get up off the ground because he has no arms.
1: So he was on the ground at this he, point. Like it kicked him out. Somehow? Yeah,
0: like he fell into it first with, with his both hands, both arms. And it kind of flung him, I guess, backwards.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And so he's trying to get off the ground. He doesn't have any arms. So he pushes his back up against a tractor tra- tractor tire and uses his feet to push up off the ground. And there's blood everywhere. Oh, my gosh. And no one near him on this farm. Everybody's gone. And he's in the middle of armpit North Dakota. How There's, does he call someone? So he starts to panic oh my gosh. and scream, and he starts headed to his house to try to get help. The house is around 100 yards from the barn, and he uses the bone sticking out of where one of his arms was to open the screen door. Like, hooks it. Oh
1: my gosh, I can't even believe he could stand. I would just be passed out with all this blood. Oh, I'm about to pass out now. He uses his mouth to open the door to get inside
0: his house. He makes his way down the hall to the office where the phone was, but there's another door. He has to use his mouth again to open the door. Then he uses his nose to press the numbers on the phone and calls his uncle's house, which is a few miles away. His cousin answers and he tells her, you have to send an ambulance right now. My arms are cut off. She thinks he's just playing a joke on her. She hangs up, calls her stepmother, and tells her what John had just told her and that they need to call an ambulance, she guessed. So they do. Thank God. So they're about 11 miles away, and his cousin and her mom make their way over to the farm to check on him. They pull up, and there is blood splattered (sighs) everywhere. They can hear him crying inside the house. He has made his way to the bathroom and climbed into the bathtub because he didn't want to get his mom's floor dirty. Oh, my gosh. He asks them for water. His aunt helps him get out of the bathtub, gets him some water. He's feeling super sick because he's literally fucking bleeding out. Yeah,
1: I mean, that sounds like a, it would be a lot of blood gushing out. Yeah.
0: So, she's, you know, trying to reassure him that the ambulance is on his way. <sighs> Once they arrive, they get him loaded up in the back of the truck, find his arms, wrap them in trash bags, and put them on ice. <sighs> they were 20 minutes from the hospital. That's oh the closest gosh. hospital. So they get there. The doctors tell John he's lucky to be alive. He had lost a ton of blood, like literally over half of his total blood in his entire body. Shock had set in, which has mm. has lowered his blood pressure. So. That helps significantly by minimizing blood loss. His nerves were also in a form of shock from being cut, which helped with the pain. Yeah. Except for the nerves that were hanging down and left exposed, which were excruciating when those would get hit
1: on something. Oh my gosh, I truly cannot even imagine
0: he says the only pain he ever really felt was from those exper- exposed nerves hanging down when his side would knock against something. Ugh. So, all of this is going on, and he is mad at the medical personnel for cutting his new cowboy boots off. So, he's trying, you know, he's like, I mean, Ugh. he's 19. Yeah.
1: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, they're trying to keep you right, alive. right. I'm so, sure he's grateful now. Sure.
0: Right. Around 3.30, John, his arms, and a doctor fly to Minneapolis, which was about two hours away. This was the first time he had ever been on an airplane, and he <sighs> argued with them to sit up front because he wanted to be able to see out. Sir, her. You don't have any <laughs> arms. I admire <laughs> his uh, tenacity. So, they head to Dr. Van Beek, who had done three of these arm reattachment surgeries in the past. As soon as he arrives, the surgeons begin to attach his left arm first. It was severed just above the elbow. Then they moved on to the right arm, which was just above the shoulder.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Metal rods were used to set the broken bones. The blood vessels were linked with stitches, then reintroducing the blood flow and circulation between the arms and the body. He had several blood transfusions, a total of 15 pints of blood. Then he was put into a medically induced coma (sighs) for four weeks. Holy crap. For the next month he was in a coma. Oh my gosh. He had multiple surgeries while he was in this coma
1: because (sighs) he had
0: blood infections from all of this. The reattachment of the limbs garnered international media attention so much that international and local and national talk shows and news teams were trying to break the story, trying to be involved. He was invited to the white house. He was featured in people magazine and was even invited to sing the national Anthem at a Minnesota twins game where he got to meet Kirby Puckett. He had multiple celebrities send him gifts, including Whitney Houston, John Mellencamp and Bo Jackson. He had developed amnesia as maybe a s- source of like a coping mechanism. I don't want to forget that. So he doesn't remember a lot of this oh. time frame. Like he doesn't remember being at the White House. He doesn't oh, remember. Well, that's, yeah. That's a
1: bummer. But yeah, I I could see that happening. Like
0: your brain yeah. blocking it out. Yeah. I feel like that's what happens with childbirth is your There's brain a lot blocks of trauma it out. There and it's like
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, he had to work very hard in physical therapy, working on getting his strength back. He graduated high school in May of 1992, just five months after the accident.
1: Wow. So, the surgery worked. Yeah. Yeah. I would have never thought you could do that if it's clean. Like, sounds very Frankenstein-y. Well, like, he
0: can use his hands? Um, a little. I'll, I'll get to that. Okay. Sorry. No, you're fine. Mm. So, following his high school graduation... He attended the University of Minnesota for a while, but he said it just wasn't a good experience. He was getting busier with speaking engagements from around the country and donated proceeds to the United Blood Services because blood donations had saved his life. That's awesome. In 2002, on the 10th anniversary of the accident, he wrote a book entitled Home in One Piece. The book sold so well it was in discussion with Actress Victoria Principal about turning it into a screenplay and then a film. He's hoping to revisit this idea and add more details to his book later on. He says the stuff that he wanted to add in the early nineties didn't necessarily go. Now you know, like he, mm-hmm. I guess he wanted to be more graphic and in you know, more details, oh, and they were like, "No, you, you know, you can't do that." But nowadays, yeah, we all love the gory oh, shit, oh so. Boy. He could write at length about the tough times. He says while he'll get an occasional hug from someone who recognizes him and remembers his stories, he also remembers being taken advantage of and harassed by people. He said he had to take people to small claims court and was even threatened by someone who was offended that he wouldn't shake their hand. What? His reattached hands are unable to fully open. And they literally wanted to fight him because they thought he was thought he was too good to shake their hand. He's like, dude, they don't fucking work. Also, I can't, who, can't. you can
1: refuse to shake someone's hand. Right. Like, who, do, who takes you to court of right. mm, trash?
0: He said his experience had left him depressed for years oh. and he's a very open about it. Mm-hmm. But instead he tries to focus on any of the good things that have come from it. One of which includes a story about a boy from Arkansas. He was 11 or 12. He was in a chicken coop grinding up chicken feed when he got both his hands stuck in the grinder and lost both of them. And he couldn't get out of the chicken coop. And he said he just sat down because he had no way to get out. He was sitting there dying when he remembered my story of biting the doorknob. And that's how he got out. He said, yeah, you can't help but feel good about something like that. (sighs) Oh, now, John is now 49 years old and is considering leaving North Dakota. The cold winters are awful, and he wants to move somewhere much warmer. He cannot wear gloves because his hands don't mm-hmm. open fully, so he has to use socks to keep his hands mm-hmm. warm. It makes his arthritis and his arms really bad. Oh, yeah. He said he'd like to get back to speaking or in politics on a local level. He says telling his story still gives him a purpose and makes him feel like he's making a difference, and that's all he really wants to do is to help others.
1: I love that. That's mm.
0: So, I didn't know that farming was one of the most dangerous jobs. Did you?
1: I didn't necessarily know, but it seems like there's... I couldn't do it because there's a lot of big equipment. I'm very (laughs) accident-prone. So, globally,
0: at least 170,000 agriculture workers are fatally injured every year.
1: Holy crap.
0: Nationally, 60 to 70 per 100,000 farmers are killed annually. Oh. Non-fatal injuries occur in about 33% of farming population in the United States. 3% of those result in permanent disabilities. The leading cause of death was transportation accidents like trailers Mm -hmm. overturning. Also, due to the weight and cost, it is not unusual to find rented or multi generational equipment operating on farms. This can lead to safety concerns, especially if a machine is not up to code. Right. These massive machines cause broken bones, internal bleeding, even fatalities. And the fall harvest is the most dangerous season for farmers. Most fatalities involving augers. Or the PTO shafts turning the auger are from working on the machine while it's still running. So this could be trying to unclog like a fertilizer spreader, remove dirt that's causing it to not spin as fast, or repositioning the auger. Turning off the machine before working on it eliminates any chance of loose clothing getting snatched up by the spinning auger and pulling you into the machine. I like to think that duh, that's you know that but do you know how many times that like something has clogged my dishwasher mm-hmm. or not my dishwasher but my um garbage disposal yeah. and i've like not stuck my hand down in
1: it but stuck my
0: and i know better than
1: that well it's like and people that work on these forms every single day and do it all the time right they think okay well i'm just gonna this will happen it's just i'm quick, just gonna flick it real, real yeah because sometimes it's a pain to right turn it off it may not start again I mean, I'm guilty of that in other ways, not in farming, but, you know, where I know better, but I... Right, right.
0: Shirt sleeves and pants too long or baggy, along with the strings on a hooded sweatshirt, are very susceptible to being grabbed into a spinning auger. (sighs) Your arm itself might not be as close as the rest of your clothing is, and it can jerk you inside. Even if you're not pulled into the blades, it can squeeze you from tightening the fabric. And there's not enough time to take your shirt or coat off. Holy crap. When it gets wrapped up, that shaft is turning at a minimum of 540 revolutions per minute.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: It can even tighten around your neck and squeeze your chest and suffocate you that way. Necklaces and rings also get caught up by moving machine parts and long hair. So, pull it back. Put it up in a ball cap. Gosh. I will never... I'm avoiding equipment. Listen, I will never watch Farmer Takes the Wife the same after this. <sighs> this is a super dangerous job these farmers have. And I had no idea. And you get 200 bonus hot points for me <laughs> for this, I'm saying.
1: <laughs> My biggest thing would be wearing inappropriate shoes because I hate switching shoes. I just like slipping something on. Do
0: you put on like... When you mow in weedy your yard, I've done it in flip flops,
1: and I'm no, not even joking. your toes will get
0: chopped off. That would be one way to get. It's a push
1: mower, and it's not self-propelled. I feel like that would, but it, but you yeah. pull it back. What if you slipped and fell in your flip flops? Yeah, you're right. And you're it, right, it's I'm, it it I told would you, chop I'm your planners
0: ward off for sure.
1: <laughs> That's one way to get rid of it. I don't like wearing, and i will shovel with flip flops on, and do oh, all. God. I hate wearing. Lacey shoes. I'm from the south. Okay. Lacey's gonna food. lose a toe. Wow. Um scary. I'll be better. Stay safe, farmers. Yes, stay safe. We love oh, you. you. We
0: didn't realize your job was so hard.
1: Oh, that is that is
0: terrifying. Yeah. Arms chopped off. Do you think he felt it? Like when it happened? I, I mean don't he doesn't know. remember, but
1: I don't know. Whenever the shock Yeah. I've never had something that bad happen to me, you know, that's shocking.
0: I have never either. I did, I was washing dishes one time and broke a saucer. I'm still not even sure how I did it, but I had it in my hand and was running. And I don't know if it went from hot water to the cold water that was I was rinsing it with and that caused it to break, but it broke in my hand. And when it broke, I kind of did my hand mm-hmm. like that and shoved that glass up underneath. So it was like, and, and I just pulled it out and it didn't hurt. And I held oh. it because I saw how deep it was. But I don't know if it just like, I don't know, your flight or fight kicks in. And that's tiny compared to losing a fucking arm, two arms. I really can't imagine. No. I mean, I don't know how strong my will to live is. I well, I would like to think it would be a lot, but.
1: I have a, I feel like I have a strong will to live. But I hate the sight of blood, so I don't know how I could function well if I saw it coming out of my arms. Just like spraying out, like a movie. I feel like I would be on the ground, blacked out, like I repeatedly passing out. I don't know. You'd die, you'd die super quick. don't know, you I really don't know quick. how.
0: You'd be, di- you'd be dead super fast. I hate
1: blood. <sighs> well, I have another quick little story because our lovely North Dakota listener, Tammy sent us a message sharing that her great great grandfather was murdered. What? Yeah, she's like, I, I don't remember if I've told you this story or not. No. You haven't. No. And I'm sorry that this happened, of course, but she attached a family photo and I'll share that. Well I looked into it and his name was Carl Okuson or Oakson. Mm-hmm. Sounds very Swedish. As one Olsen to an Okusen <laughs> <laughs> but her great great grandfather Carl broke the law by grabbing a couple of pints after work to unwind. This was 1902, and North Dakota prohibited alcohol at the time. Farmers were going to find something, regardless, so they would meet at the blind pig, which was the term for an illicit bar. I never knew that. Mm-mm. And they would drink booze from the bootleggers. Well, one night, Carl joined the blind pig with three other men. Once he got there and asked for a beer, the manor asked for the men to leave because he was getting threatened. As they left, a bullet came crashing through the wall and hit Carl in the face below the left eye and it ended up lodging in the back part of his neck. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he unfortunately ended up passing away. But the farm that Carl worked on is the very farm that Tammy grew up on. Really? But, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Daniel. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Has anyone in your family been murdered? Sort of. What? I can't talk about it. Why? Because I don't know all the details. But I three by five of it. Well, Can you? It's not my family per se. It's someone. Okay. I'm not going to say it because I don't even know it well enough oh, to sorry repeat. Sorry, I asked. Jeez. I'll, I thought you were just going to say no. <laughs> I'll get back to I'll talk to my aunts and get back to you. What about you? No. I'm, no. <laughs> it happened a long time ago. It was like a I don't know. No. No one pinning this. I'll come back to it. No if one's they, been if my aunts let me share it.
0: I I feel like that'd be hard to to get over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, but
1: yeah. And you know? yeah. And then I have a little I have a correction corner. Situation. Is it me? No, it's me. Oh god. Me. I'm the problem. No, um, a lovely listener. I'll I'll leave you private just in case. But she sent us a message about the last episode where you covered Suzanne Collins. Mm-hmm. And you were kind of talking about the whole the trial, and at first they thought he had multiple personalities and da-da-da-da-da. Uh-huh. And then you're like, they switched the diagnosis later to, I think you said borderline personality disorder, and I was kind of like Yes. Good or whatever. And in my head, I knew what I was meaning, but I can understand how people would be like, What do you mean, good? I felt like the multiple personality disorder thing is used so much as a scapegoat. Uh Like Ted Bundy tried it. Mm -hmm. So I was annoyed that he went to that. And then they later said, Scratch that. He doesn't have it. Right. So then when you said, Oh, this was actually his diagnosis, I was like, good meaning like they changed the diagnosis you're glad that
0: they came up with the correct diagnosis correct but
1: when i said that i I could see how some would think i meant like oh borderline personality disorder good because they're bad or no i didn't
0: take it like that no
1: but well when i got the email i'm like that's not what i said and then i listened back and i'm like okay i can i can see how someone would take it differently because they're not in my head they don't know why i'm saying. Well, good, but anyway, just a quick thing. I know people with bipolar disorder, with borderline personality disorder, aren't always manipulative or destructive, and that's definitely not what I meant.
0: Oh, I didn't take it like that. I, I don't, I mean, I knew
1: what you meant. Anyway, I just wanted to let y'all know, I mean, if you have bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder or histrionic personality disorder, definitely don't think of you as criminals or killers or would be anything. Now that I'm rambling, I'm probably digging myself in a hole. Just shut, shut up. I'm just going to stop because I'm like, I don't know. I'm just sorry. I didn't mean to make it sound like he was bad you because right. he had that. I I hope that makes sense. And let me know if it doesn't. <laughs> but moving on. Yeah, I just dug a hole. Um, no, I I, I know,
0: I know what you mean. And but, you just want to make sure that you don't... Well, yeah.
1: It's like when I was saying it, I knew what I was meaning, but I could see someone, especially if someone has it, they could be like, well, what do you mean? Right. Yeah, I, I didn't mean it that way, but I totally understand why someone would think that. Well, thank you for correcting that. Yeah, it's me. I'm the <laughs> Don't anyway, sing. <laughs> I won't. We have two new patrons. Yay! <laughs> I haven't put them in the board yet, or pin board, but... Allison M. from Oklahoma.
0: (gasps) Thanks, Allison. Thank you.
1: I think Arkansas is a new Oklahoma with tornadoes. But thank you, Allison. And we have Angela S. from California. Very cool. Thanks. We love it. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Now that we have our map above us again, I can check everything out. We're still missing, let's see, South Dakota. Minnesota, Iowa, Colorado, no the Patriots there. Bam, <laughs> New Mexico, Wyoming oh makes my sense. Gosh, Idaho and Montana. Did I say that? And Alabama. Alabama
0: doesn't like us. Hold.
1: Okay, we've got every state in the South except Alabama. <laughs> um, I ho- did we make a roll tide joke? Honestly, I don't care enough about sports. I don't know. Then no, we wouldn't have. And real quick, if you want to join us on Patreon and get early ad-free episodes, monthly bonus episodes, stickers, and more, just head to patreon.com slash unitedstatesofmurder. Join us on Facebook and Instagram at United States of Murder. And if you like us, leave a review. That helps us in the Apple algorithm. And it's free. Someone gave us a really sweet one. It's from Abigail. Abigail, send us your info and we'll send you a sticker. Anything else? No, nothing here. I got nothing. I'll save it for the wacky.
0: I want to, you know, I want to watch a good scary movie. And I've been trying to find one.
1: Have you seen that show, Piggy? I know what you're talking about. It's on Hulu. I keep seeing the things. I click on it and I'm like, that just seems,
0: I don't know. I've I've had zero. Kind of cringy. I've had zero desire to, um watch it, but then I was listening to another podcast and one of their hosts was saying that they watched it and it was really good.
1: Like in Mm. on the horror
0: level, it was a good...
1: So I'm like, well, shit, now we have to watch that. I've just been watching the horror that is the weather channel, which is new for me. (laughs) So that's, I haven't watched anything really other (sighs) than the news, which is (sighs) odd, but anyway, and by the way, we are okay We thank you. We got a lot of emails and stuff asking if we we were okay from the tornado, and thank you very much. We are not a lot of people are as fortunate, unfortunately. It's we have tornado fatigue. Central Arkansas got hit pretty hard, and it's pretty bad. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it's people.
0: Well, you guys went out on Sunday and volunteered to help with cleanup and stuff. And yeah. I'm sure that was just a very sad
1: to It, it s- was to see. shocking because yeah. downtown did not get hit, luckily, but West Little Rock did, and once you start driving that way, everything's fine, and then you turn off and start walking up a road, bam, a whole neighborhood. Trees just uprooted completely with concrete. Like I it's hard to even I right. was just staring at it like how is something that strong to so pull a big old tree up from mm. the roots and the roots are out of the ground. It's really bad. And then we had bad storms today. This morning. This morning. And we got a tornado. Another one could be coming and luckily it didn't. Oh, we are fatigued. I literally...
0: Cannot talk about this or I'll start crying. I know. It was,
1: it was, um, it was scary. It's the most scared I've been as an adult because we didn't know where it was going to go. It kept changing directions. There was a second one in the sky. And you live a little further north than me and you were in a storm cellar with
0: my child. And I'm sure he
1: was panicking. I feel terrible that he had to experience that. It was,
0: um, it was not good we could hear it Ugh. it tore trees over all around us and busted windows out of mm-hmm. houses and cars and uh, we will never forget it i mean
1: um it's yeah it's going to take a long time for a lot of these neighborhoods to look normal again and some of these homes have to just be yeah
0: pushed down it also It's very, I don't want to say we have PTSD because I'm not comparing it to anyone who has like PTSD from a war or, you know, anything like that. But we were at um, lunch on Sunday afternoon after his basketball game and the restaurant we were at in Conway is by railroad, railroad tracks. We didn't realize it. We went in and we Mm -hmm. sat down and we were starting, you know, to get our drink order and eat and everything and everything comes out. And we hear a train coming and Max and I both stopped Mm -hmm. and we looked outside and I guess the look on our faces, because Max's dad, you know, I guess he recognized and Max goes, why is it so cloudy outside? Mm -hmm. And then we heard the train horn, you know, tooting along. And we both kind of breathed that sigh of relief and we just went on. And then after we left, his dad had pulled me aside and he said, when y'all heard that sound, you both stopped and you looked. Mm -hmm. And it's just that guttural instinct, I guess, that... Something sounded similar to... It sounded similar to what... like rumbling. To what we heard Mm -hmm. when... Because it sucks all the sound out. All you hear is just this enormous roar like Ugh. a train. And that's what we heard. And it's like it triggered something in Max and I both. In, in that split second, both of us panicked all over I get again. It. It's just terrifying.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I went to my little safe space. I don't have a cellar. I don't have a basement. But I, un- you told me that under my uh-huh. stairs is the safest place. I didn't know that until you told me that. And I Googled it. And that was correct. So I bitch, you didn't believe me? No, I did. But I was kind. Of, I was like, why? I didn't understand why. Right. And I guess yeah, I looked at pictures and there's a lot of pictures of just stairs and underneath it being good. Well anyway. Well it's the most
0: interior part of your home. It's away from windows. It there's no yeah. exterior walls. Yeah.
1: And so I when the tornado was in hot springs, I cleared crap out of there so fast. I mean anyway, but I put in a sleeping bag, pillows Bandages, gauze, <laughs> peanut butter because I knew it was high calorie content. Oh um, see. poop poop bags for for, for girl for roadie. Um, what candles? All the crap. I have a picture of it. it's ridiculous. And then I throw Jax in there and he's pissed. And then Roadie's in there and Jax is pissed that Roadie's in there because he's the drama. Well, anyway, we're all three in there. It's packed. I'm sweating to death. And then I'm like. I forgot shoes, but I was too scared to go get shoes. So Always I stayed put your in shoes on. I know, but I was too scared to leave. Told, you
0: already told us you don't like to wear shoes. Yeah, you're
1: right. But I had a whole set up, and then I sent a picture to Samuel, and he's like, zooming in. He's like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you And I had water bottles. Like I threw. I was thinking, what if I get trapped for twenty four hours, girl? I don't know. I. I, I don't know. We I was were
0: really freaking scared. We were under the ground and had nothing, but there were like <laughs> 10 of us, and all we had were like children. That's all. It was like us and children. There was no water.
1: Oh,
0: Cell phones weren't working. I had a Diet Coke. I had nothing to drink. <laughs> I, I was about to have a panic attack. I was oh. literally trying to deep breathe. My legs wouldn't stop shaking. My kids
1: crying. I'm going to throw up. I'm like, it's okay. I'm going to throw up too. Oh, <laughs> It was a lot. <sighs> it was a lot. And we're we all hope, fun. And I know it hit other places. I know what Iowa, mm-hmm. Illinois, probably Oklahoma. I haven't heard about oh Mississippi. Mississippi. Again. So it's been pretty bad and I I to all of our listeners and your families, I hope everyone's okay. I still don't even know what to do to To help. I mean we to, went out to help, yeah. but it's like you feel feel helpless even right. when you're it's just so devastating. I don't even know. Anyway, I don't know what else to say. That's just sad. <laughs> it's, yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Well, until next week. Goodbye. Bye.